0: Hey, friends, Heather Creekmore here. Thanks for listening to the Compare to Who show. Compared to Who is part of the Spark Media Network, and we're so excited to be on the Edify Podcast Network. I hope that's where you're listening to us today. If not, go to the podcast app, grab it in the Google Play Store, Apple Store, and you will love what you find there. Oh, friends. Today's episode was so good. I originally had it scheduled for later and I just had to move it up because this is a message we all need to hear this time of year. Today we're going to talk about fasting. Now I have had several people reach out to me over the past few years and ask me the question, can I fast if I've had an eating disorder? Should I fast if I've had an eating disorder or if I've had any kind of disordered eating in my past? And that's the question we're going to tackle today. Oh, y'all, it is so good, this conversation we're about to have. So today I talked to Amy Carlson Amy's a registered and licensed dietitian. She has a master's of science in nutrition. Friends, she's been doing this for like 20 years, and she knows her stuff. And offline, she told me that this question of fasting is one she gets all of the time. Friends, this is key. Before you start another Daniel Fast, another Sugar Fast, or even participate in a fast with your church, Know that fasting is good, but listen and learn from the insights of this episode. Enjoy. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. God in his grace showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you should know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and the Burden of Better. I'm a blogger at ComparedToWho.me, and you just may have seen my epic big fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compare to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and hey, tell a friend about it. Amy, thanks for being on the Compared to Who show today.
1: I'm happy to be here. I love being with you. Oh, so today I'm so happy that you are willing to go to an interesting
0: and hard place with me. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about fasting. Yep. And it's one of those tricky topics, I think, because it is clearly biblical to fast. And yet, in my opinion, I know you agree, it is clearly problematic, the way some of us have interpreted this biblical call to fast and and really, what happens if you come from an eating disorder, disordered eating background, and I, I don't even want to want to say like misapply, but yeah. but don't you go into fasting with that kind of background? Makes things tricky. So I am so glad to have you on today to talk about <laughs> all the things fasting. So this is part of a series on really resolutions that are healthier than your typical resolutions right life life change kind of resolutions but yet i wanted to time this episode because mm-hmm. lent is coming up and i looked it up actually lent's late this year it is and, late and I Like, man, all those years that I was trying, and I'm going to share my story here. It's like all those years I was trying to do Lent and like Lent would start February 11th, like before Valentine's day, like that stinks, (laughs) but let's starting like March 6th or whatever it was like, boy, you guys got it easy, (laughs) But, but anyway, it's, it's this whole bundle and ball of things, right? There's, there's a spiritual aspect of fasting. There's a physical aspect of fasting. Now we use words like intermittent fasting. Like we talk about fasting so much more than we ever talked about before. Right. It's, it's common vernacular. And then because it's in the Bible, it's for us as Christians, maybe even more comfortable of a concept, that kind of thing. So I I don't know. I can't wait for you to dig in, but before I start Asking you a zillion questions. I want to tell you and the no. listeners too my embarrassing history. It's embarrassing, it's not the right word. Good. That's your it. So, so, I mean, I think in high school, I had done lemonade fasts and stuff like that, mm-hmm. right? You know, sheerly out of weight loss. Yeah. I think my parents fasted and participated in some fasts for church, but, you know, I, I wasn't trying to do that. I was just trying to get skinny. And so, you know, I drank lemonade, like with maple syrup in it for like three or four days, maybe five, you know, those kind of things, right? Mm -hmm. Clearly not spiritual intention. But when I was 20 years old, I started working on Capitol Hill and I worked in an office filled with Catholic guys Mm. and they came home when came home. Our office was kind of home, I guess they came back to the office one day after going to church. And they all had these black streaks across their forehead. Now, I mean, that is how much I, I like, I had no clue what that was. I mean, I was raised in like evangelical churches. Like I yeah. had no idea about Lent or any of those things. And so I'm like, oh, dude, so you got something on your forehead. Like what's going on with that? <laughs> like, gonna wipe that off. Did you have a car problem on your way home? So was, that, that whole thing was embarrassing. Right. But then I'm talking to these guys about Lent and they start telling me like, oh, what they're giving up for Lent. And that was completely new to me. And the light bulb went on. I was like, do you mean to tell me that I can stop eating sweets for God and that God will be a part of my journey to get skinny? And I will have this whole extra layer of accountability, right? As God, I'm not just giving up sweets to get skinny. Now I'm giving up sweets for God and He Never. will help me on my journey for a better body. And oh, Amy, I mean, <laughs> I legitimately was like, this is the best discovery ever, right? <laughs> Try not to bust out laughing too loud
1: in this microphone.
0: Oh, it's so, awesome. Okay, so so this is. I don't, it would probably have called it bragging, but it's now kind of just sad to me. So I did it. I gave up sweets for Lent that first year. And at Easter, I was like, man, this feels so good. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to stop. And my birthday is the end of July. And so just timing wise, so I made it the whole way through the spring and I made it to my birthday, mm-hmm. at which point I decided that I wanted some way, some sweet thing to celebrate my birthday.
1: Yeah. But, oh, Amy,
0: you should have seen my skin. I dropped a couple pounds. I mean, I looked good. So it's like Lent is the best diet (laughs) ever, right?
1: And and I mean, I'm
0: embarrassed that I probably need to go on my website because when I started this blog, I am sure I talked about fasting sugar for Lent, right? Because that's what I did every year. Now I will say, and now that I'm starting to understand from you and other RDs, like more the physiological side of things, I will say that my quote unquote willpower, which I know isn't really willpower, but my ability to carry out that sugar fast got worse and worse every year. So consider I started doing this at age like 20 ish. And I was decent at it through my twenties, but then it got to the point where I'd be like, I could give it up for like three days. Now I got to have something right. And so, so there, I mean, there may have been seven or eight years where legitimately I was able to make it almost the whole like six Mm -hmm. weeks of Lent. But after that, it became a diet, right? Like I'm, I'm going to start, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give up sugar Mm, mm. Valentine's day has really good chocolates <laughs> associated with it. Nick, nah, God understands God, <laughs> three days later. God, we'll lose weight next yes. year together. You yes. know, it's okay. <laughs> so, oh, so anyway, so that's, awesome. that's my checkered background and awesome. I have had women reach out to me and say, Hey, you know, like, I know that fasting is a spiritual discipline. I know fasting is biblical, but like, I have this ED in my background should Mm -hmm. I fast? And so Amy help, like, what are your initial (sighs) thoughts? Like, you know, what, what's
1: going on here? Oh, I just love that story. I was trying really hard not to be loud. (laughs) Like, you know, when you're listening to the podcast and the other person's really loud and you're like, don't laugh, don't laugh. That was awesome. If I can lose weight for God and with God, what a banner, right? What a banner. Oh man, well, that is a whole nother podcast there in and of itself. That's <laughs> what You and I always say that's a whole nother podcast. Um, this is such a good question. I actually get this question in session a lot. Really? Um, as I do get it a lot, and it's so tender. And so when you invited me to come speak with you on this to talk and have a conversation about it, I was so pleased because a lot of people have this question. And I think I think we'll probably talk about fasting today in terms of just maybe how the church is handling it in today's culture and world, how it's enmeshed in the diet mm-hmm. culture. Yeah. Fasting in the church is overlaid by the dieting culture and how that gets messy and kind of complicated. But then there's the question that you just asked, which is how do I handle it if I have a history of an eating disorder? And I need to tell you that I have a lot of clients, um, Heather, that, that would say, honestly, they would say to me and have said, I'm not, I'm going to use quotes, but this is their words. I'm not a good Christian because I can't mm. fast. Or mm. um, if I if I really loved God, I would be able to fast. And these are people that have a history of severe anorexia and eating disorders. And not only that, they're being called to fast. Some of them in their churches, maybe not inappropriately, maybe corporately for a season, um, but they're finding that they're really struggling with this mm. concept. So if we talk about that just in context of if you have an eating disorder, let's let's you and I just lay the groundwork right away. Yeah. If you are currently in treatment for an eating disorder, fasting from food, uh, as a spiritual discipline is not for you right now. Mm-hmm. It just isn't, it's not safe. It doesn't safeguard your recovery work. Um, it is a trigger. Uh, it is yeah. absolutely, it is not going to help you get nourished and, and really stay on track with your goals. So first yeah. of all, consult your treatment team. Heather here
0: is the compare to who show blessing you. Well, then there's nothing nicer you could do for us than to leave us your five star review. Leave a review on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your shows. Not sure how to do it? Go to comparedtowhome slash podcast, scroll to the bottom of the screen, and you'll find out all the information on how to leave a review. Thank you so much for considering supporting the show in this way. And hey, while you're at who.me, take the free body image awareness quiz. Download the free Walk to Lose the Weight of Comparison Walking Workout or check out any of the hundreds of articles available on the site to encourage you in your journey with body image and comparison. Thanks for listening. Check it all out right after this episode, of course. I don't want to lose. I don't want you to lose your track of thought, but I was just thinking about ways for me that I have experienced that triggering. Yeah. And so I thought maybe we could just go there. So I have tried to fast for spiritual reasons in recent years. Yeah. And what I notice is after a day or so, I start to get that flat stomach buzz, that empty stomach. Like, ooh, I like the way this feels. I forgot how good this feels, and Mm -hmm. it's very much a drug, right? Very, I mean, a drug, drug kind of reaction. Not fasting is a drug, yeah. A drug kind (laughs) of addiction, right? Where it's like, ooh. And then, I mean, and I could have been doing well on my recovery journey, right? Like not thinking about the scale at all, and then all of a sudden, it's like. Ooh, you should get on the scale and see how yes. good this is. Right. You tried yes. on those jeans and they were a little easier to button and it totally starts to shift yes. from any kind of spiritual mission to who boy, I like the way this feels in a disturbed kind of way. Right. Because yes. that's, that's what's You're happening in our way. minds. Right. Yes. So anyway, I just wanted to jump in with that. Like, testify to that this is the triggering that can yeah. happen if you try to fast too early. And so now and I'll, so straight up now, like I know that I can't do like a water fast. Yeah. And what my accountability sort of process is, is I tell people to keep me accountable and to ask me a lot. If I turn to start having thoughts, thoughts that I wouldn't yes. normally share with anyone about getting thinner, weighing myself, any of those things I have to eat immediately. I'm done yeah. with the fast because it's no longer a spiritual fast for me. Oh. <laughs> it has turned into something else. So mm-hmm. that's that's my parameters. But I mean, we're talking like, it's like I've been working on this for decades. So yeah. not I'm not someone that's in treatment right now. I'm not someone yeah. that's
1: new to this. So- You know what I so appreciate about that, what you're, first of all, I just appreciate so much your honesty and your transparency. And for listeners to hear that, so that I've been in recovery, you know, I've been recovered for years and I too cannot just do a water fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, and what you're describing. So for people with a history of anorexia, there is a feeling and you just described it associated with not eating. That is like putting on a pair of old, comfortable sweatpants that feels so familiar and comfortable. it be, it creates a, it can be a trigger for old thoughts. And I'm not saying that Anyone with a history of anorexia can never fast again. That's not what you and I are saying at all. But I would say that really the precedence is that most of the women that I work with and most of the people I know even well advanced in recovery cannot fast completely because it is exactly as you said. And the second thing I was going to say, and you already said it, which is so cool, how God always works, which is to say anyone who has a history of an eating disorder. So even if it's well in the past, And does a fast has to have at least one person that knows about their history, Mm -hmm. about their eating disorder history that they are checking in with daily Mm -hmm. because that turn is like this. It's like it it goes so fast. And you and I both know that the enemy is about deceit and eating disorders thrive in darkness. So as soon as those thoughts start happening and we're embarrassed, like, oh, I've struggled this forever. This is so weird. Why am I thinking these thoughts? And now I can't say that because. That's weird. Why am I going to say that I love the way this fast feels? Right. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, they don't like the way that they feel on a fast. But for somebody with a history of an eating disorder, they often do. They enjoy right. the feeling that you're describing. And so having that tight accountability, which is to say to this person, I know who my person would be. And I would say, I'm going to need you to ask me every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what how what are you feeling? The accountability. And like you said, really just giving up the food fast as soon as those, those thoughts become engaged. And really, we can talk a long time about food fast versus other types of fast. But one of the things that we do as people with an eating disorder is maybe we love to fast. We actually give up. And I talk about giving up that, giving up Mm -hmm. that, like, so for people with, history of eating disorder, give up, you know, sort of perfect eating and our rules and all of that, as an offering to the Lord. Sometimes that is the offering to not fast when others are fasting and to turn our worship to something else. And so it can be a really tricky, complicated, and to do it alone, to have that, those thoughts in your head and think, well, I can just do that. My whole church is doing this. Here's the other thing that gets complicated. And again, this is such a big right story with all different sorts of tentacles, but I love it is a, I love what you said at the beginning. You said it just really black and white. It's biblical. Fasting mm-hmm. is biblical. Prayer is biblical, right? Um, communion, the Lord's Supper is biblical. Those things we don't really have to wonder. They're really clear in scripture. But why we fast, you know, there's a lot of different reasons why we fast. And certainly a church decides and is prompted by the Holy Spirit to maybe call a fast. But I've had many, many clients in my office that maybe are, I've had a lot of pastor's wives. I've had mm. a lot of pastor's kids in my office as, as clients. Um, and their church will be doing a fast and their family members will be participating while they're in recovery for anorexia. Mm. And that's confusing and mm. conflicting. And honestly to, to just really encourage listeners is to say, if you have somebody in your house that is in recovery for an eating disorder, Choosing to not fast from food is the loving thing to do. Mm -hmm. It's the loving thing to do. And again, Corinthians 13, right? First Corinthians 13. If I do all these things, if I beat my body and I'm, you know, all these things, Mm -hmm. but I have not love, I'm just a gong. And so if we're fasting out of reasons other than for love of the Lord and love for others, then we're just gonging it. We're just Mm -hmm. a gong. And so let me just say that as a word of encouragement to people that. God doesn't say you don't love me because you're not fasting while your child's in recovery for anorexia. The Lord is saying, love that child. Well, that is a fast unto the Lord.
0: Right. Right. And I think even deeper in what you just said there, I feel like as a church, big C church in America, at least I can't speak for experiences outside of this country. Yeah but we've turned fasting into this. Just don't eat. Yeah. Don't eat. and Or, or maybe we go another step. Don't eat so you can pray. Um, <laughs> I've heard, you know, don't eat so you can pray. Don't eat, don't eat so you can see God. But I told my husband, so I was actually working for, on a book, and this is a chapter that I'm working on. And okay. I was just mentioned to my husband, who's like, oh, you need to read this book. And so he gave me this book on fasting and it's mm-hmm. by Scott McKnight. He's a college professor. And he had this quote in here, Amy, that startled me. Mm-hmm. And I shared it with you, but I'm going to read it for everyone. Because this is his definition of fasting. Fasting is a choice not to eat for a designated period. Because now this is where it gets, I think, startling. Because some moment is so sacred mm-hmm. that partaking in food would deface or profane the seriousness of the moment. Mm-hmm. So I think he, and it's, it's a, it's an interesting read. Beautiful. I mean, he's a college professor, so it's not like a fun read, yeah. <laughs> but, but he, he does a really good job though, of bringing fasting back to it's. I think serious biblical intent, which yeah. is you are seeking God, and you are just like I, I surrender all, including including my hunger. And and yeah. again, I'm not I'm not contradicting anything we've said before, right? Like if yeah. I surrender all, including my hunger, is not for the person in recovery. Like let's right. be clear about that one more time, right? Yeah. Like that, not not at all, okay. Right. But for those who aren't. And are maybe hopping from, you know, I don't know. Maybe you're going to do Lent this year, or you're going to do a 30-day sugar fast. Or I mean, we're recording this in January, so there's lots of fast opportunities out there. Right. Like, right. like maybe we need to be more careful in our language around I fasting. Can. What, what, yes. do, what do you think? This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network.
1: Yes. What you just word the language that, that he uses there is so important because we have commercialized fasting. We've turned it. And you, you said this at the beginning, which is so, oh, this is so important, right? We've, we've taken a fast and we've, we've sort of um, packaged it and we've intermixed it. It's like, it's both biblical, but it's also now cultural, intermittent fasting, fasting, sugar fast, as you just said, So, wow. Talk about confusing in terms of, um, we can say prayer and we know what we mean. Mm -hmm. We mean praying. We can be pretty clear on what that means to pray. But when we say fast, people are fasting all the time. You know, they're fasting from, you know, it's January. Like you said, people are fasting from alcohol. They're not drinking alcohol for the month of January. They're fasting from the things, but a biblical fast is a sacred, holy experience. Yeah. that's unto the Lord. It's, it's again, um, as I had quoted that, that, um, pastor that it's, it's loving, right. Letting go of something we love because we love something more. And I've given this example to you about, um, you know, if my husband had asked me to fast from coffee, which I said would be very difficult for me. I just love coffee. Actually, my kids would say, mom, there's no way you could do it, but I'm a, i could do it. <laughs> but my had my husband said, "Could you give up your morning coffee and spend that time with me instead? I would do it because I love my husband. It would be difficult, and it would be the sacrifice and sacred thing that we're talking about because it's something that I enjoy and I love, and so to be with my husband because I love him more than I love coffee, oh, that's important. I do love my husband more than I love coffee <laughs> I want say that again um Wow. That sounded really profound. I do love him (laughs) more than I love coffee, but to be with him would be because I love him. But if I chose to get rid of coffee because he asked for all these other reasons, right? Well, yeah. Like you said, you know, right. I, okay. Well, maybe my skin will clear up and my, well, if if he asks you, yeah, if he asks you give up coffee for me, Amy, and you're like, Ooh, and my skin will clear up and I'll lose weight.
0: Like how, Like out, right? right? Don't do that
1: to him. And it would be completely different. My motives would be different. My motives would come clear. They would come clear. Now I may receive other benefits from giving up coffee, but the heart of the motive is that I love him. And as we love the Lord, we do those things in relationship. So when my um, dad died a few years ago, um, and it was kind of sudden and painful, and it was just grievous for our family. I lost my appetite. Right. And I had a hard time eating for some weeks because I was so sad. Mm -hmm. That's also the kind of fasting we see in scripture. We're so grieved over our own behavior or something that we're sad that has happened or something we know is coming or the state of our situation, but we're not doing it because I hope I lose weight while I'm sad about this thing. Right. (laughs) Right? Like I hope I lose weight because i'm so sad so those things are actually organic fasting is organic to the nature of our relationship with god if we understand the holiness and the sacredness and the awe-inspiring nature of who god is it becomes actually natural to fast in that if we're grieved if we are sad if we are trying to seek unity as a body of believers And we can do that in context, obviously with other believers, in context with scripture, and we have to be sensitive to those around us that have have had a history of eating disorders and how they can participate without triggering them into a relapse, honestly. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And you know, he actually, this book that i mentioned before by Scott McKnight, he has a whole chapter on fasting when we're grieving, right? So that mm-hmm. it just fits right in with what you're saying that that's, yeah. that is a time biblically where we see people fast, but he also, he kind of begs the question of our use of the word fast he mm. thinks a better use like if you're going to not have sugar instead of calling it a sugar fast you should call it abstaining from sugar just like you would say you're abstaining from I alcohol like, yes. because he believes that the term fasting should be so sacred biblically yeah. right now there's a medical it, fasting yeah, has like a medical that. definition too okay but so just biblically the term is so sacred that we shouldn't be
1: slapping it on,
0: on, on what we, we do at different times a year.
1: Because, let's reclaim that. Yeah. I think we should use abstinence of, as in when we it really is just that we're choosing yeah. to abstain from sugar or choosing, which I'm not. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not, um, I'm not, uh, but, right abstaining from those things and i i agree that language is so um we've just lost it we've kind right. of lost it and we've commercialized it which means that we've we've again we don't know which which part is sacred and which part right. is is deity and which part is um a biblical mandate and which right. is just herd mentality i mean there's right. like the herd mentality of of lent can be a herd mentality right. too right well So we got
0: to go here and I don't, I'm trying to think if I want to save this for the second episode we're going to do here, or if we're going to jump right into it, maybe we'll jump right in, tease it a little bit. And then you're going to have to listen to again. Okay. Let's talk Daniel fast. Okay. Right. (laughs) So I was researching Daniel, right? Because I'm writing this chapter on fasting and I found this scripture that knocked my socks off. Okay. now it's not written this way in the NIV. Yeah. and you can defend the NIV. If you want to, if you're a solid NIV person, you can, you know, fight for the NIV. That's okay. But I'm more of an ESV girl.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And in the ESV, the verse, and I'll, I'll, I'll quote it for you here. Daniel one 15. And I guess let, let me fill out the context a little bit. If you're not familiar with the story. So Daniel and his guys, these Jewish guys are taken into captivity by the Babylonians. Daniel and his buddies end up in the King's palace. So as far as jobs go, when you're taken into slavery, like they've gotten it pretty good, right? Like they got a good lot. They're not like, you know, shoveling things (laughs) there. They're in the King's palace. Okay. But as part of the King's palace, there's an expectation of the way you would look. You have to look like you are part of his, his Royal, you know, Crew, yeah. and so they eat certain foods. Now, contextually, and Amy's feel to, feel free to jump in if there's something here you know about that I'm missing. But contextually, the fatter you appeared, yes, right. The wealthier you appeared, yeah. the healthier you appeared, That's right. right. And so, so these slave boys probably came in looking kind of scrawny. Right. They weren't used to the King's food, but then there's this whole other element. And Daniel, we know, you know, Daniel is an amazing man of faith in God. You probably know the story of Daniel in the lion's den, but Daniel feels convicted. Like he can't eat the king's food. Now there's all kinds of different theories around this. Some people believe he can't eat the king's food because it might have been offered to idols, or mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't kosher, like all, all kinds of reasons why yeah. Daniel might have decided. But for some reason, Daniel felt strong conviction that he should not eat the king's food.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the guard in front of them, the guard over them is freaking out. Like, no, if you guys are skinny, I'm, I'm going to lose my job. Like, no, you you need to eat the food. And Daniel's like, no, just try us. And Daniel asked for a 10 day trial Mm -hmm. of eating. And this, I've heard this taken out of context too. And I was surprised when I read this. So I have always heard that the Daniel fast was fruits and vegetables. Right. But then as I started to read in a little bit more some scholars believe that they wouldn't have listed bread because bread was just an understood part of every meal. Uh-huh. So you would never skip the bread, right? Yeah. Which that is going to knock someone's socks yeah. off today because it did mine, right? Yeah. So so bread was part of it. So now we're at the fruit, vegetable, and bread, and then legumes. Yeah, they were eating legumes. Now I know if you actually look up like the Daniel fast, I know it does allow legumes. I. I think it may allow ancient grains, but I don't think you can have a slice of like honey, wheat, uh, nature's own bread, We <laughs> like, like keep in my house. Um, but, but so, so this is, this is the context of all this. And so Daniel and, and his posse eat this for 10 days. Mm-hmm. And then here's the verse I want y'all to hear Daniel 1. 15 at the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance. Okay. Yeah. We all buy that. Right. Of course they looked better. They were eating so good. Right. But think, listen to this and fatter in flesh than all the youth who ate the King's food. So here's my question. And Amy, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to end this episode with this provocative question. And then you and I are going to come back and we're going to finish this discussion next time. Would you go on a fast if you knew you'd be fatter at the end of it? <laughs> or if people would say to you, you're looking fatter. What'd you do? Did you do a fast? You, that's the question I am leaving you with today. And you'll be back on the next episode. So come back for more. Whoa. What'd you think of that question? Hey, Go on Facebook to the Compared to Who page or go on Instagram and write your thoughts about that question. I want to hear from you. Today, there will be a post up connected to this episode. So go in the comments there and let me know what you think. Thanks for listening to the Compare to Who podcast. For more great podcasts that will build your faith and inspire you, head over to edify.app and search the Edify app in the Apple and Google Play stores. I hope something in today's episode has helped you stop comparing and start living. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey.
1: Need more of God's power in your life? I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical tips on how to grow your faith through prayer. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.